are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I would suggest today for all of us, myself included, that we either find an example and that we might be an example. Everyone needs examples in their life. We are living in a day where examples are being attacked. I was speaking to someone last Sunday night after the service and I mentioned in the 50s, I felt like I lived in the greatest generation, the best generation. And I don't need to go back over that. But in my generation, there was something very special about heroes. Brother Harder's just slightly older than me and he's a retired Lieutenant Colonel. And he said when he was in school after World War II, they would mention that America defeated Nazism and there would be an applause and excitement in the class because we loved America. Well, it seems like now, it seems like every area is under attack. The president, don't say amen, is a wicked man. The Congress are wicked people. The Supreme Court, they're all wicked. They're all, and it seems like everywhere you face, you cannot have a good example. We're tearing down church examples. I know that we're not perfect. And I know politicians are not perfect. And I know some, I don't know how they ever became a politician, but you know, there's still a few good people there in Congress. And there's still good people in the executive branch. I've been living since the days of, I want to tell you what president it was, but it's way back then. They've not all been good. So many people seem to think that Oh, they're all wicked. They're all bad. All men are worthless as dirt. I don't believe that. There's a lot of good men in this room that are tremendous examples to me. There's a lot of great ladies. I'd take this crowd of ladies over any crowd in the world. A lot of good ladies in this room. A lot of good teenagers in this room. You're a good example. A lot, of, a lot of good pastors in this room, men and women of God in this room. Titus chapter two, agent men and agent ladies that have lived a good life. Flawless, no. Perfect, no, but good people. And so when I was a boy, you mentioned Douglas MacArthur or World War II and there was an excitement about patriotism. The flag would go by and it was just natural. You'd stand because we pledged it every day in school. Every day in school. Public principal around here got tired of it. One of our people worked there and got tired of the people showing such disrespect. And he said, we will stand and pledge every day from here on out. I admire that public school principal. It's a good flag. Not perfect, but a good flag a flag that's brought a lot of liberty and freedom and and a lot of good things to the countries of the world. Thank God for America. We have problems, we've always had problems. We always will have problems. I can recall 
in school this side, it's President's, uh, President's Day this month, this side was George Washington's picture. This side was Abraham Lincoln, two presidents born in February, and we rem- remember who they were. And it was, it was a wonderful thing. They talk about a general and now commander-in-chief, George Washington. He was about in your time, that Brother Bertram I know, but what a good man. What a great hero of the faith. He, he went to church every Sunday. In D.C., they still have the pew that he sat on in the church. That was George Washington's pew. Abraham Lincoln, a God-fearing man, loved this nation. I still believe that there are heroes that you can have in your life. There are business heroes you ought to have in your life. Well, all rich people, by the way, you don't know what riches are, and perhaps you're a CEO and you're not rich. It's saying about, well, let's get all the money out of the rich people. It's the rich people that create the jobs for the rest of us. Well, the rest of you, so you can tie so I can get paid. I want to say today, there are, there are heroes. I grew up with heroes. My mother and dad were heroes to me. My aunt and uncle were heroes to me. My relatives were heroes. We had neighbors in my neighborhood. Ralph Milky was a Catholic, but he was a good hero to me. Drove a 1929 car. He was a good man. He was a hard worker. And I think this neighbor over here, good man. And this neighbor over here, a good man. This couple, this family over here, cross street Nazarenes, good people. Honest people. Neighborly people. There's a lot of heroes in my life. Uh, I just stood at the grave or I stood at the funeral of my uh, sixth grade school teacher, Uh, 97 years of age, she was a hero to me. She was a Catholic. I'm not talking about her theology was a hero. She as a person was a hero to me. When I did not believe I could do well in sixth grade, she believed in me. Jack, you can get this. Excuse me, she said, Dr. Schreiber, you can get this. I want to say that I've had so many heroes in my life. My wife's dad pastored the same church 57 years. I broke into the ministry under him so many years ago. What a hero, a man that loved this book and a man that stayed the same for 57 years in that church. Oh, I love it. Yes, I know every preacher, everybody, I know all that stuff. I have a room full of heroes here. But we live in a day where heroes are under attack. Can't have a hero. Seems like you have a hero if he's a rebel. Who's your hero? Who is it in your life? How many people? uh, Sir, sir, won't you think that your wife is a hero to you? Lady, don't you think that you're married to a wonderful man and you've created this great example to your home? Before us today is a man by the name of Josiah. He's an eight-year-old boy. His dad dies. They put him on the throne. There's nothing really mentioned about him at age eight other than he did right. But when he became 16, he began to make some decisions for the next 30-some years for that country because he said, under my watch, things are going to change. 
We're to get back to God on my watch. I know we think the world, we're told how the world is so bad, the nation is so bad, it's over for the nation, the whole thing's gonna fall apart, but then I wouldn't listen to a lot of that if I were you. A room like this today could change the nation. Revival doesn't come corporately to the whole nation at first, it comes individually and it spreads in the church. I wanna say that when we see Josiah, he's a good example. I wanna speak on that subject for just a few moments. A good example. Find an example, be an example. He said, well, I can't. I come from a bad pedigree. Well, let's listen, let's look at his dad. Look at his dad in the chapter before, chapter number 33. His dad was Ammon, verse 21, and Ammon was two and 20 years old when he began to reign. He reigned two years in Jerusalem. Would you read verse 22, the first part of it? Ready, begin. But he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Verse 23, and humbled not himself before the Lord. Well, he had a daddy too. And his daddy was worse than him. So here's a boy, he's got a rotten father who did evil and a rotten grandfather who did evil. By the way, he had a great grandfather, Hezekiah, that did right. His dad was corrupt. But he said, in my home, there's been a lot of corruption. In my family, there's been a lot of wrong. But my dad chose to do wrong and I'm choosing chapter number 34 to do that, verse two, which is right. What's your heritage? Some folks spend the entire life on a rotten heritage. Well, my dad was this. My mother was this. My family was this. I, I know a preacher and he's older than I am. And he's preached all over this country and a great preacher. Began to lose his eyesight when I was in Bible college. He began to memorize the word of God. That preacher had a dad that abandoned him early in life. And his mother lived repeatedly in psych wards. And he would have to take her even as a teenager and check her in to these psych wards. But that man now for over 55, 60 years or whatever it has been, he has preached the word of God. He has loved the word of God. And he said, under my watch, I am going to live for God. I've watched many people in our church get saved and sent off to go serve God and from a drunk's home or from a, a, an unsaved home or from an abusive home. And you've got all the stories of preachers that come through here. You've heard them all, how that this one was abused and this one was hurt. And this one had uh, six fathers and seven mothers, uh, divorce and divorce and divorce and on and on it goes. And this stepdad was so cruel, I'd hide under the bed. He became a flaming great preacher for God. This preacher, his dad, his, his, his wife's, his mother's husband, they divorced and the boyfriend came and took a gun and shot her in the face and killed her. As a five-year-old boy, no dad, lost his mother, great preacher for all these 35 years plus. This great preacher you heard preach yesterday, he came from a good home, and yet one night on the evening news he saw, he said, that's my dad. 
They've arrested him. He was part of the mob printing money, sentenced over 1,400 years in jail. Just died a year ago, right now this month, and was able to get out in time, became a great, great giver and servant of God. The mob, after he got out, let him go. They didn't seek his life anymore. Though he turned so many in, it was a miracle of grace. How'd you like to watch your dad? You thought you're from a good home and he's getting arrested on TV. That's our dad. So many people spend your lives from our pedigree, my dad, my mother, my family, our situation. No, sir, not Josiah. I don't have an example in my dad, but I'm gonna be an example for my family. Not only his dad do I find, I find his, his desire. I find his desire. In verse number three, in the eighth year of the reign, he was yet young began to seek the Lord. His desire was to seek the Lord. The Lord God of David, his father, he goes back. And in the 12th year, he began to purge. He sought the Lord. He purged. In verse 4, he broke down. And his desire was, I'm going to, verse 7, burn this garbage. Has there been garbage in your life? because of your pedigree or your family or your dad or your mom or yourself, maybe today's the day you ought to burn it. Maybe today's the day you ought to open up a, a hole in the ground and put that hatchet there and say, I'm done with this. Maybe you ought to load up the dumpster with some garbage like they did in the book of Acts. Say, I'm gonna rid my house. I can promise you, I know of a, an adult lady who is destroying her life. Her dad is gone because of something she discovered in her dad's life. And her life spins from that. But she hasn't found the joy that Jesus can give. She lives on the hurt that her dad left her. Here he said, I... I have, a, I have a desire. My desire is to have my people right with God. Sir, isn't that your desire for your home? Isn't that the desire for your marriage and the desire for your family? Well, my wife's out of the picture. My children are out of the picture. Everybody's away from God. But maybe they might see a father still going to the house of God, or a mother still going to the house of God, or a grandmother or a grandfather. My desire to be like Jesus. Is that your desire? To be like Jesus Christ? I find that he had a dad that was a poor example, but I found that he had a desire. Look at his decision, go back to verse two. He did that which was right, and he began to seek the Lord. And he walked in the way of David, his father. Though he had a poor dad, he, made a, he, he had a desire, he made a decision. At 16 years of age, I'm gonna do right. You've heard me say it before. That young lady over there is expecting her fourth child. She and her brother came on the buses. And that boy made a decision. The dad was dead and gone out of his life before he was a few months old. 
and it wasn't a good situation and the drugs and all that. And he got on the buses. I did not realize it and find out till later that he said, I made a decision as a bus kid where anything I could have had, I could have done it and had it. But I made a decision I was never going to touch liquor. And I was never going to touch any drug that was there. And I made a decision I was not going to lose my purity before marriage. And I made a decision even, this is taking a step further, I'm not going to kiss the girl till the wedding day that I'm going to marry. Well, yeah, he really lost a lot. Yeah, he's been married for years now, pastored probably about 20 years, and he has, I think, about five kids that are living for God. He had to come to a point that I have to make a decision. And my decision, I'm gonna do right. Though people around me, though friends, though family, who it is, they might, they, they might laugh, they might scoff. Tomorrow you'll get to work. Hey, what'd you do this weekend? Man, we party Friday, Saturday. I don't wanna be here today. Man, I'm still, I still got a buzz down my down. I, I'm still hungover. What'd you do? Went to church and some guy yelled at me. What else? I gave money to have him yell at me. You went to church? Wow, are you missing out? Yeah, you're missing out. You're missing out on a lot of hurt and sin and wrong. There has to come a point. I'm so glad when we got married that we got married and stayed married and that not only that, we've been in church all these years. I heard my wife say to our class this morning, I was raised in a preacher's home and that I married a preacher. Now think of all the years that she's gone to church and Sunday school. She's heard it all, but guess where we are today? We're in God's house, and as you prayed, we're loving every minute of it. Yeah, um, Jesus is still the answer. And he came to me, and I haven't heard Naomi that hollow of his hand for decades, that old song. Now, it took me down memory lane as a boy and singing that in church. I'm in the hollow of his hand. Church been pretty good to me this morning. I love it. You know, you ought to make a decision. It's early in the year. Here's what you do, what I do. We make a decision. I am going to work out every day this year. I'm going to walk every day this year. I am going to eat right every day this year. No sweets, no, no, no soda. I'm going to do it. All right, smarty pants. It's February the 3rd. Remember what we decided we were going to do? How many are still 100% in? Uh, one. I'll see you at the altar to get right with God in just a minute here. How many, you planned on walking every day and you missed a day? Let me see. Bunch of hypocrites. Well, Bill, you raised your hand. I saw you and your wife walking the other day. I thought, look at that dear old sweet man. Not old, but you know what I meant. We, we all fall off the bandwagon. You fall, a just man falls, but you rise up again. So now it's February. 
no soda for me. I'm still going to have a cup of coffee every day. I don't care what you say. If you find it in the Bible, um, thou shalt not have a cup of coffee. I'm going to look at that verse and critique it and get it to change is what it says there. Don't you find that we're so prone to do wrong and prone to fail? And pr- but start again. Notice what you will. Not only did he had a dad, it, it, Josiah's dad, Josiah's desire, and Josiah's decision, but did you notice Josiah's dedication? Now, in the 18th year, verse 8, of his reign, when he had purged the land and the house and the house, You know, in the next nine verses, he's going to say the house of God or the house of the Lord nine times in nine verses. You see, God's house began to mean something to him. Watch it. You're going to have to use both hands to count. We'll say the house of God, the house of God. Let's say it like independent, temperamental, fundamental Baptist, shall we? Let's get behind this thing and say it like we mean it. Would you say with me nine times, the house of God? Ready? Here we go. Ready? The house of God. The house of God. Thank you very much. The house of God. Says it nine times God's house, God's house, God's house. Well, a bunch of hypocrites go to God's house. Yeah, that's why we invite you. Come on, jump in. The water's fine. Yes, there's a bunch of hypocrites at God's house. That's where they're supposed to go. I was in the hospital this past week, and I stopped by there. And guess who's at the hospital? Sick people. Ah, those people are sick. Why go to the hospital? They're sick. Why go to God's house? Because we need help from God. Yes, we go to God's house. Well, you know, they think they're so good. You know, the truth of the matter is the person next to you thinks he's so bad. That's the battle we have. That's why we're here. Oh, wretched man that I am. But he got concerned and he got excited about, I'm going to dedicate my life to the house of God. Have you ever noticed you have a problem? The first thing the devil says, don't go back. I've got something in my house, some problem in my house. Don't go back. Dan's watching right now. and you, I, I ache so much with this announcement. He's much younger than I am. He's been suffering. Well, the doctors this week said stage four, pancreatic cancer. Brother Dan, you're watching. That bothers me so much. You're such a good man. I look at his family up there. And I expect you to mess and be with them. I expect that. I expect knowing Dan is going to try to struggle to get in here at times. It's an amazing thing how that we have some adversity health or marriage or job or family or prodigal son or whatever it might be, we lose our job and first thing we want to say is, I'm I'm not going back to church. 
Something like that happened. I can't remember the experience, but in the last week or two, that, that happened. Someone told me, I'm, I'm not coming back. And I was in my car by myself, and I began to pray and think about it. I said, you know, it's, God, it's like I'm picking up my marbles and going home. I had marbles on my mind because those two grandsons were talking about marbles the other day. I guess that's what was in my mind. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not playing marbles anymore. I lost a, a puree. Is that, you still call them a puree? A steely. Still call it steely? It's much like what you do in life. You steal a lot of things, but we won't go there right now. Steelies and puries and whatever they uh, cat eyes. I could spend some time on that right now, but I won't. But may I say this? You don't quit playing marbles because you lost. I mean, I don't like this game. It's not fair. You guys are not fair to me. That's what church work is. It's not fair at church. They're looking down on me. We don't even know your problem other than your pouting. Come on, folks. I find Josiah's dad. I find his desire. I find his dedication. I just, to the house of God, I find his discovery. In verse nine, they found money at church and they delivered the money that was brought into the house of God. The house of God had been shut and they found money. Some of you folks ought to sign up to clean this church. You don't know, but we've had so many different pews like this in our church through the years and we have to at times take them apart and you take them apart, money falls out. Now watch it because some people put broken glass. There's a whole bunch of things and pens and needles and everything but there's money in there right now. The average American loses $75 a year. I'm on a hunt to find it. During the offering, you prayed a short prayer, but I was going through ladies' purses all over the auditorium, and I couldn't get in, and man, you have that money hid today. I'm talking about they found money at the house of God. What an amazing discovery. They found something else at the house of God. Verse 14, and they brought out the money that was brought to the house of God, and they found a book. Now, these many, many verses, you'll see the book, the book, the book. We would call it the Bible. They called it the law. They lost the Bible at God's house. We're having church tonight. Well, is there another event going on today? Oh, yes, but not as important as God. God's house. We're having church tonight. We'll have an invitation tonight. I want to say, and by the way, what other churches do, they can do it, but we're having church. I don't want to lose the Bible at God's house. That's the problem in America. We have lost the Bible in the schoolhouse, our own house. Let's not lose it at the church house. They made a discovery, money and the book. But I want you to see his devotion. Go way to the end of the chapter. We'll sum it all up. Verse 31, and the king stood in his place and he made a covenant. It's a devotion before the Lord. Here's my devotion. I'm going to walk after the Lord. I'm going to keep his commandments, his testimonies, his statutes with all my heart. 
And it calls all present in Jerusalem, Benjamin, to stand to it. He said, I'm just not going to stand by myself. I want the people of Israel to stand with me. And Josiah took away all the abominations out of the country that are, uh, uh, pertained unto the children of Israel and made all that were present in Israel to serve, even to serve the Lord their God. Well, here it is. Could you read that last two or three lines where it begins all the days? In verse 33, ready, begin. And all the days they departed not from following the Lord, the God of their fathers. In Josiah's watch, they said, we'll walk, we'll walk with God. Mother and dad, under your watch, keep walking with God. Under your watch, keep walking with God. I'm single, waiting for God to bring a wife to me, waiting for God to bring a husband to me. He'll bring them. He brought a wife to Adam. God will take care of that. My son is away from God. My daughter's away from God. You know, God can still bring them home. But under your watch, regardless what the family does, say, under my watch, I'm gonna follow God. My family might reject the word of God. I'm gonna watch, I'm gonna follow God. And, and Josiah set a good example. Tragedy is, it was just one generation. His son said, I don't want it. You're not responsible for the decisions of your sons and daughters and the people around you. You're responsible for you. I'm old enough. I've watched people go to church a lifetime. I've watched people drag themselves into church that are now widows and widowers through all these years of my life as a boy, as a young man. And now in the age that I am now, I've watched people my whole life come to church alone. He drives himself alone. She drives herself alone. They sit alone. I know that. They're the heroes to me because they're setting a good example. I hope that my wife's not just a good Christian as she is while I'm alive. And if I go first, I'll tell you what, from heaven, if I can look down, I know I'll see her in the house of God. I know, I know she will. She's got too much right in her but she's lonely. I hope she's lonely. She'll have the choice to be lonely or happy. Don't let her be happy. <laughs> God forbid if she should go first. I hope I'm a good Christian when I'm alone in life. I, I admire these people in this room whether your husband left or your wife left or your spouse has passed away, I admire those people that go home alone tonight. I admire those people that have had their world turned upside down but they're staying true to God. Josiah could not say, okay, because I've done this, 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 my dad was wrong, my, my, my decisions were right, uh, my discovery was right, my determination was right. I had all these. I did right, right, right. Now, God, you owe me. His family didn't follow him. But there is a generation called Josiah that he said, I'm going to do right. I'm going to set a good example. Today, 
I'm pleading with this church. You're in ninth grade. Well, there's a sixth grader that's watching you. Would you be a good example? You're sick. Dana, you have set such an amazing example. She and Dan have suffered through this journey. It's a hard journey. It's a physically painful journey for both of them. It's been a long journey. Brother Dan, God bless you. Our Father, tonight, today, I love these people so much, and it is so imperative that the North Valley Baptist Church is filled with people, members and visitors that will set a good example. And Lord, will we find many examples? Lord, another one of my examples, on February the 12th, last year passed away, Brother Bobby Robertson. What an example he was to me. Now he's an example in my memory. I pray that this church will be filled with people that set a good example for the next generation. What they do with it, it's their decision. I pray that when I'm laid to rest, if you should tarry, that I will have had a good example. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.